Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, and many more. This is a show where we talk to proven founders about their 0 to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.io. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable full-stack development team with top talent that costs half as much as in-house developers, and you know you can trust your SaaS or mobile app with us. We'll give you the first 30 days, no risk, and we guarantee being on time and on budget. Or we finish the project at no extra cost. Contact us at onestop.io. Let's talk about your SaaS MVP project today. Today I have Curtis Boyd, CEO and founder of Objection.co. Objection is a SaaS that finds fake reviews using machine learning built for businesses and consumers. Curtis is going to tell us about his 0 to 30K MRR journey and how he found the idea for Objection.co, built the MVP and acquired his first customers to get where he is today, which is over six figures MRR. How are you today, Curtis? Doing well, thank you. Great. So um, why don't you tell us about Objection and what specifically you do for your customers? Sure. So uh, we build technology to identify and dispute illegitimate reviews on sites like Google, Yelp, and TripAdvisor. And Amazon. Um, Amazon too. And Amazon. Yeah. So what do we do for our customers? Our customers are generally businesses who have fake reviews, illegitimate reviews written by, you know, untruthful customers, competitors, ex-employees, bots, or unknown people, you know, basically really low quality reviews written for their businesses and they need help effectively communicating with administrators. Um, You know, they've usually tried themselves. They've usually like kind of fumbled at trying to solve this problem. And uh, that's where our software specializes in in being able to accurately identify like the why of why a review is illegitimate and then, you know, query it to an administrator using effective language and positioning to get it removed. Okay. So you essentially what I see, what I understand then is that, because I know this is a big problem in in Amazon. So I'm an e-commerce. I've got a lot of reviews. Let's say I've got like 5,000 reviews. You'll go through and sort of um, just flag the bad reviews. And then you have some templates in does the customer get to edit those templates when the no no you you handle all that in the back end then so it just flags right. it and then you guys know the copy to use um do you have some variables that says hey this is why we think this is bad you know that sort of thing hundreds of variables you do okay is that yeah. sort of your secret sauce too no i'm happy to talk about lots of them i mean why, why do we do that because i think it could be interesting anyone that's listening like what makes a bad um like what are some of the the biggest red flags that you guys can pick up on sure so uh let's say for google for example is the only review site that doesn't allow profanity right um okay. which i find interesting 
Um, and, and nice, you know, it's nice, nice not to see profanity on the internet. Yeah. It's unnecessary. Right. So, uh, any, of course, you know, scripts and multiple languages can, you know, filter for profanity. And then once that, I guess that profanity is identified, we can just trigger a profanity template. Essentially, dear Google, <laughs> this review contains profanity. It's in violation okay. of your content guidelines, X, Y, Z. Thank you for your consideration in removing this review. And that's automated, right? So the trigger is automated and the dispute is completely automated too. So from identification to fulfillment, our software takes care of the entire process. And what's nice is it also takes a video of itself working as a proof of work video. So it records itself while it works and then submits that video in the, in the dashboard for our customers so they can see what's going they on. They can see that. So, so there's like a dash today. We took care of these three reviews. That, yeah. Is this something that um, I imagine churn, how do you address churn? Cause I can see this being really effective in the first 90 days, but then does it sort of uh, wind down in, in terms of when the review, you know, you know, obviously review rate slows down. How did you address that? Absolutely. So, you know, when we first started, we offered month to month subscriptions mm -hmm. and you're absolutely right. Churn was a huge problem because in the first 90 days, they would bring 10 years worth of reviews. Our software would blow right through it, get all the results from- Which is huge day. value. That in right. itself is worth thousands of dollars, right? So- Exactly. Yeah. But then after 90 days, they'd say, well, you guys took care of like the what what could majorly take care of. We don't really get that many reviews. So we'll come back when we need you, right? Yeah. And I was like, wow, like they're getting a ton of value out of this. And me as a business owner, I'm not getting what I want out of yeah. this deal, right? So then we switched to annual licenses only. So mm -hmm. uh, if a customer wants to work with us, they can still get the seven-day trial and see how we work. But um, that way, we get the entire annual license up front, and we get what we want out of the deal as well. And then the customer is with us for the rest of the year. Okay. So the, And do you find that generally they're quitting after a year so it's kind of like lifetime value is really only 12 months or is there some i mean some of the big power amazon users i'm sure need it right because they're getting it all the time you know most of our customers actually aren't amazon you know sellers they're actually restaurants and hotels and uh okay larger organizations who get tons of reviews um doing lots of volume with consumers. Um, so okay. Lots of our customers too are like smaller businesses like doctors and lawyers and contractors. Um, we do have plenty of Amazon sellers as customers, but uh, you know, the majority of them are actually, you know, local so businesses. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, how do you charge? Like what's your charging? Yeah. So we charge uh, $2,400 per year per license and a license includes a location, a location. One location. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's one page. So if like a if a hotel chain has thirty pages, they need to buy a license for each one of those. So you might have some no. like uh, well, no? each, like a location might have one Google, one Yelp, one TripAdvisor, like one Better Business Bureau, one Glassdoor. Okay. So that one license will handle all five pages. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but so, not if they're two different Google pages. If the address is different, it's a different license. Okay. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. And so do you have, but you must have some account like a Marriott or something that would have like a $75,000 account or something. Maybe not that much, but yeah. Yeah. We have a few customers with over four figure locations that have over a thousand locations. Yeah. Yeah. I figured that. 
So um, tell me about how this evolved. Like, what were you doing before? Were you an agency that was people were coming to you all the time saying, I've got bad reviews. Can you take care of this? Or, or how sure. did you come up with this? Yeah. So uh, my, I actually came from a, a nursing background. I was a, a, a nursing assistant in a hospital. And uh-huh. uh, and a, one day a doctor came on the unit and started complaining about a fake review he got that was hurting his private practice. And so I started, you know, complaining about my student loans. And so he kind of, you know, rolled his eyes at me and he said, well, if you take off this bad review, I'll pay off your student loans. And I was like, well, I, doctor, I owe $30,000 in this student loan. And he's like, I probably lost 150 k this week because of this oh, fake review. Really? Because of one bad review. And I was wow. like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I charge ten dollars to $15,000 per surgery. And yeah. I've lost at least 10 consults just this week from them saying that they're canceling the consult because of this because review. Because of this review. What was a review? What? Why was it like? What? And was it really fake? It was fake. Yeah, it was a okay. fake. It was a. Why do people write fake reviews? Is it competitors, or what are some of the reasons? You know, last week we we took care of some people who had uh, their ex boyfriend uh, and his buddies write terrible reviews after a bad breakup for a business uh-huh. page, which was really crazy. Um, okay. uh, sometimes it'll be personal. Sometimes it'll be professional. Sometimes it'll be unknown, like competitors, people who have a grudge against you, right? So mm-hmm. everything under the sun we've seen because we yeah. know the, the power of reviews, right? And the negative impact that negative reviews can have. So right. yeah, yeah, we've seen, I mean, a lot of most of the time it's you know a disgruntled customer who's trying to extort or manipulate businesses you know trying to get their trying to get their way um but oftentimes it can be a competitor who paid some guy overseas 50 bucks you know to to slam you you know consistently uh-huh. each week so uh, there's a lot of that going on too so going back to the story I'm sorry I uh, interrupted it but the um essentially you were saying I'll pay you if you can figure this out. How did you figure it out? And did he pay? <laughs> like, how did how did you do it? Because yeah, um, that's a lot of money to pay 30, 30 grand. Absolutely. I mean, I told myself, look, like this is two years of my life. It would at the rate I was being paid, which was like eleven dollars and change, it would take me two years to save that kind of money. And yeah. so, you know, I was a nursing assistant. I didn't know anything about contracts, about business. I had, you know, I was bathing people, right? So I had no idea yeah. what was going on. And so uh, my mom worked at the hospital at the time, and she's like, yeah, this doctor, he's a stand-up guy. I, I like him. I trust him. And I was like, okay, doctor. Well, I called his private practice, talked to his secretary, and said, look, the doctor said this. Like, I just want you to know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on it. Like, I'm, I'm telling him I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on it for him. And she's like, okay, well, a lawyer had tried and a reputa- like a consultant has tried. No one's been able to help him. I was like, it's okay. Really? I'm going okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try. Yeah. And, and so the next 48 48 hours, 72 hours, I'm doing everything I can, making, calling everyone I know, everyone I can at this company, and I'm getting nowhere. I'm getting just denials online whenever I, I write a query and I write a letter. I'm just getting nothing but When no's. you say this company, you're writing the company that wrote the review. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. It wasn't and like a person or something. It wasn't like a made-up anonymous... Uh... No, I'm contacting the administrators. And okay. so I had $800 in my bank account at the time. I was 22 years old. I was really broke, you know. Uh, but yeah. I spent about $400 of that uh, on a plane ticket to San Francisco. And I flew on location to where the company is. And I started 
they're not stalking people, but I, I approached people who walked in and out of that building. And uh-huh. I was like, I was like, excuse me, do you work here? They're like, why do you like, do you need money? I'm like, no, I, I don't need money. Like I'm, I'm, Hopefully I'm well dressed. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I have a doctor. Are you, are you banking? <laughs> yeah. I have I have a doctor in Los Angeles with a with a fake review, and I need to know how to get it off. I've tried. I don't know what to do. And no, after no, like I, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm sorry, I can't. Like nothing I can do. Like some people laughed at me. How um, big is this company? Uh, well, it's a publicly traded company. It's huge. Okay, so it's like, huge. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So anyway, I could tell people like knew. What to do when I like asked them? I could tell like they knew how to help me, but they were just too busy or they they didn't care. I didn't know what 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 was going on. But anyway, I was there for three days persistently trying to get people because I knew someone there could help me, right? And I mm-hmm. knew that this was thirty two thousand dollars. I I I was like, I, yeah, I, I think I can do this. Anyway, yeah. on the third day, uh, someone finally was like, yeah, I know how to help you. Like, all right, come on. So they took me to Starbucks down the street and sat down with me and I had my pen and my pen and notebook and she walked step by step on what I needed to do and say in order to get this fake review removed. I went back to my hostel. I was staying at a hostel uh, yeah. and I, I did exactly that. And about 48 hours later, I had a check for 32 grand from this doctor um, he was on the board of directors for that entire physician network uh-huh. and, and he referred me to all, like, I think it was 760 other doctors, uh, wow. at, at that medical center. And uh-huh. he hooked me up with a CPA, a bookkeeper showed me how much I should charge each month for, for this yeah. type of work. And uh-huh. before you know it, I, I so had, you a, had an agency removing reviews. So exactly. I just want to understand the company was not the company that left the review. It's the company you're talking about. You went to Yelp's headquarters or something like that. <laughs> I did. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it was Yelp employees that you were. T- I thought you went to the company that wrote the review and you were no. trying to get them to take it off. Okay. No. So you went to like Yelp or whatever. I went Trip straight Advisor to Mar- or something like that. Straight to Market yeah. Street, and I. Okay. I, yep. And I approached hundreds of people as they walked in and out of that building uh, okay. and finally got someone kind okay, enough. Okay, so to- you finally got to like one of the, whatever, the managers or something is like, okay, here's what you need to do. So yep. at that time, you learn like the flag words that they look like, okay, this is against our terms and conditions. So if you use this word, and so you've learned a lot by yeah. doing that. Yeah. yeah. It's a great story. And so, uh, you know, I, one physician network turned into like five or six. You know, it's funny. My mom's a nurse. My brother's a nurse. My sister's a nurse. All at the same hospital. Mm-hmm. And I'd show up to the administration office in like, you know, a nice collared shirt. And I'd see my mom. She's like, why aren't you in scrubs? I'm like, oh, I'm I'm not actually a nurse anymore. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going into reputation management. And I actually just got this, like, I got the whole hospital as a client. She's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. So, yeah. you know, they didn't understand, like, my transition from nursing into, <laughs> It you know, was pretty fast too, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like, as time went on and we brought, we brought on more customers, like, I was spending 15 hours a day reading reviews for my customers that came in. Mm. And I'm like, I... I'm I'm burning out here. Uh, yeah. I kept hearing, you know, these these TED talks by Elon Musk how AI is going to take over the world and replace mm-hmm. all of our jobs. And so I was like, you know what? I wonder could AI like replace me as a review removal consultant? And I was mm-hmm. like, I bet it could. So anyway, yeah. I went back to school and I I went back to school for for computer science and uh, I learned how to code and so I built software. To do just that, to look at reviews the same way that I do, and then 
to fulfill the same way that I do so that I don't have to read reviews all day every day and write these letters out anymore. I can mm-hmm. have computers fulfill on that service. Yeah. And that that's that was the birth of Objection Co. on May 2019. Okay. That's okay, that's interesting. So when was the Elon Musk video? Is that sort of like 2013 or something? Yeah, that must have been like, so I officially- you I, went to MIT, right? I did, and for machine learning and AI, that's correct. Now, why why did you go to school? Why wouldn't you just hire someone to do that? I, you know, I, I wanted to, I love- Because that's what, how long were you to MIT to learn how to do that? Was it like four <laughs> years? No, no, it, it was a, it was an online course. It was a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um- the curriculum over there is amazing. If for anyone listening, if if you're interested, it's in just a free one, science. right? Is this no. a free? I heard that. no, no. There's didn't they put something online though? MIT put something online. It's like I think I paid. I want to say like close to thirty grand altogether, with, which is your thirty grand check from the right? doctor, right? Comically, yeah. Like seven <laughs> so, how did later. you pay for your lifestyle during this time? Were you doing that on the side? You were doing the agency stuff on the side while you were going to school. Or oh, you're learning, teaching yourself? So, yeah, I mean, I I took all the courses and I just prioritized it. You know, I made time okay, for Okay, so it. you were still running the agency at oh, this yeah. time. And so mm-hmm. you were doing like, say, six hours there and four hours of classes or whatever. Exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, I made sure that um, I was going to, for like the future, I was like, okay, so... I now I now know I can have computers fulfill on this as a service. And then mm-hmm. as I got better in machine learning and AI, I realized that, you know, being able to collect more data, right? And mine and scrape more data and just be able to mm-hmm. pull more stuff into databases and analyze it and getting better and better and better at it. I realized that the fake review problem didn't negatively impact business owners as much as it impacted consumers, right? So the majority of fake reviews out there don't hurt business owners. They help business owners. The majority of fake reviews are five stars. They're not one-star reviews. Um, Ah, I see. So there are people putting in the fake reviews and so... Your consumers don't want to get rid of those, do do they? I mean, do you have in the... I mean, our businesses mostly, right? And I was like, wait a second. So I'm solving the problem of fake reviews for 3% of the entire problem for just businesses. I want to change that. So I started offering a new product for consumers called the Transparency Report, where they could find out if a business has fake reviews or real reviews, if they earned their Mm -hmm. reputation or if they went to like, you know, Fiverr.com and paid for it. Um, yeah. you know, so it, there, there's lots of freelancing sites. I don't mean to solo Fiverr out. There's plenty no, of- No, like Mechanical of, Turk or something like that. Yeah, you know, these, there's yeah. plenty of places. Honestly, if you Google, buy Google review on Google, the first 30 listings come up are all these pop-up e-commerce shops overseas where you can pay 10, 15 bucks, you know, mm. to buy a fake review. It's it's overwhel- overwhelmingly accessible. Most people don't know that in 2020, Google on their blog- removed 55 million fake reviews just in 2020. That's 160,000 fake reviews removed per day. Per day, Um, yeah. And if you think about it, someone had to purchase that fake review, right? Someone had to take the time to create an account, to come up with content, to publish it. That's a a $5 to $50 task. You take the average of 15 bucks, that's a $1.4 billion market 
that most people mm-hmm. don't didn't even know existed. So fake reviews is a multi-billion dollar market, not just on Yelp, but on most review sites. Okay, that's interesting. And when you came to the market, there was obviously nothing that was doing anything like this? No, there's another company out there called FakeSpot who works in the e-commerce space and on Amazon, yeah. eBay, and Walmart. And they've been in the space for uh, for a bit for consumers, which is fantastic. But no one, yeah. had, no one had done it for Google or for Yelp or for TripAdvisor. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, that's kind of what sets us apart is we try and focus more on local businesses, um, professionals, because, yeah. you know, don't get me wrong. Like if you buy a kitchen knife under the false pretenses of this is a nice $10 kitchen knife, it's not going to change your life as much as if you hire a cosmetic surgeon who has nothing but fake reviews, right? And yeah. it's like, what what are, the, what are the implications of someone who didn't, like when those experiences aren't real, when a doctor uh-huh. buys a review and makes up an experience where this person got a great outcome, like that has the potential to really change someone's entire life, whether they're doctors or lawyers or contractors, like these are 20, 30, $100,000 deals where yeah. a negative outcome could really scar someone, like really right, scar right. someone. Yeah. So for us, like there's a lot more importance for us to... um to get more involved with protecting consumers from these types of fraudulent businesses who are really taking the shortcut in their marketing, who are really just not doing things on the up and up and, you know, decide Mm -hmm. that they'd rather make a quick buck than to, you know, showcase legitimate reviews. Is there a conflict of interest for you though with the businesses? If you go in and you start removing some of their five-star fake or five-star reviews, maybe they're not fake or not, but how do you handle that? So for us, there's no conflict of interest. We vet our customers now. Uh, okay. at, at first, like, so you we, run an algo and says, "Okay, we these guys, we can't help these guys, or we don't want to work with them." Or sometimes it happens every day. Well, a, a business okay. will approach us and like, "Hey, we need your help, like getting rid of some fake one star reviews," and we'll see that they have fake five star reviews, and we're like, "All right, well, look, we can help you, but you also like these are fake as well. So if you hire us, we're going to remove all the fake, not just the ones you want." And mm-hmm. they'll be like, "No, no, 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 those aren't fake." I'm like. Well, yeah, they are. Come on. Like, between, How can you like, tell this? What are some of the obvious, like, what are some of the flags that you get? Sure, sure. So we have different metrics that identify if a review is really suspicious or not. One of mm-hmm. them is called the review pod analysis. So um, what it does is it starts with a business and it gets all of their reviewers, right? Mm-hmm. And what it does is it looks at all the other businesses that those reviewers wrote for, right? So you start with one, you have like the reviewers and then you have all the businesses of those reviewers then we kind of do like a deduplication where we look for multiple businesses within the same set of reviewers so it's the same people writing reviews for the same businesses okay what happens is if you use a fake profile and you sell fake reviews you can increase your profit by using the same profile for multiple customers right yeah so they'll write reviews with using the same profiles from multiple businesses we have an algorithm that detects that and scores it detects that okay yeah okay that makes sense yep so um how was it learning ai because i mean there's how was it getting into MIT online? Is it as rigorous as getting into the into no. the school, or how does it work? I don't think so. There, there certainly was a full application process, and it it was expensive. But you know, I believe it was well worth it. I got to work with yeah. some of the in my the opinion, top, yeah, the top oh, uh, AI. Yeah, um, not only that, but my classmates were super dedicated. Like everyone in my class was an overachiever. They were really gung ho. They were really smart. We all got to spend time together yeah. outside of class and hang 
hang out and help each other, like learn how to, you know, apply different libraries in Python and all this cool stuff, you know. And it was a blast for me. I had so much fun because some of the other students were top executives at, you know, really big companies. Like, yeah. like you know, I, I don't know if I could, I should say the companies, but they're like really, you know, yeah. some of the like national defense companies, you know. So it was, mm-hmm. it was really cool mm-hmm. getting to hang out with some of these really smart people. That's cool. So how was the learning curve on on that? Because you had no technical background, right? You're coming in (laughs) to something that probably a lot of these guys are already developers, right? Yeah, yeah. So for me, it was it was brutal. Um, I had a private tutor as well, uh, who would help Mm -hmm. me uh, sometimes three or four times a week to get through all the coursework. So for me, it was it was really hard because, you know, I didn't know anything about a lot of these types of... Yeah. Is it TensorFlow then? You were doing TensorFlow? Lots of stuff in TensorFlow. PyTorch, you know, lots of Keras, you know, lots of stuff within all these various libraries. And, um, you know, I'd never spent much time, any time in there. So for me, it was hard. But after like spending just being really, really consistent and, you know, being able to work through these problems and debug the the scripts and stuff with my tutor and then go to class ready to go with all the Mm -hmm. other top students. It was a lot of fun. And I I still felt very competitive. I still felt like I was was right there with them. So how far along was it that you felt comfortable to start writing uh, the MVP for objection.co? Were you, did you wait till the end or did you start fooling around and, you know, was it you or did you get help? Yeah, I did get help. I definitely got help because I I, I specialized my coding in AI and machine Mm. learning. And And so you needed like some front end help and stuff. Exactly. So, you know, we built our application in Laravel and Vue. And, um, you know, so I needed help uh, with the front end code, with some of the back end code, and then integrating, you know, our MVP into a functional application. So I got some help. Uh, At first, I, you know, found a team because I was trying to stay super lean. I'm a, I try and always stay super lean. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for big fan of Six Sigma, but the, um, found a team in India that I thought I, I could trust and ended up being a total nightmare, really mm-hmm. massive nightmare of just budgets. What was, what was some of the problems? Oh my goodness. So, you know, just being totally underquoted. So at first it was like, oh yeah, this is the price we're going to do it. I, you know, they, they locked me into a, an amazing price. It was semi-competitive, but really it sh- I should have known it was too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right after two weeks, um, the organization was horrible. Like, you know, what I know now about project management and what I know now about, you know, developing software and software projects, I didn't know anything kind of at the very beginning. Like I didn't know any of the Atlassian products that I know today, any of the, you know, the high quality stuff to, to operate projects. There was no like agile methodologies or anything like that. It was just none of that. Yeah. Shooting from the hip. Seriously. Working with them, I I felt like it was, they were duct taping this together and there were, there really was terrible, terrible, Did you know enough about coding to look at their code at that time to know it was bad? Not the front end code. No, no, I I didn't know. But you could just you got a sense. Was there bugs popping up? Yes. Yeah, lots of bugs. Okay. And, okay. and and so then I was like, you know what, guys, like this is like after, just even after a few weeks, I'm like, you guys are continue to work on this application, but you haven't like solved this, this and this and that. I installed like bug snag and other other fun stuff, you know, to mm-hmm. watch watch things evolve. And they came up with the craziest excuses. And then they started asking for more money. They're like, oh, well, you want us to fix that? That's going to be more. And I'm like, well, 
why do I have to pay more to fix a problem that should never have happened? Like it, yeah. it just became this really deteriorated. I, uh, I went back on my search. I'm like, look, like, I'm sorry, but this isn't going to work out. Let's, let's just stop. Uh, so you scrapped, up, did you pay them any, you paid them something? Or? I did. And I ended up getting a full refund through, you know, through American Express. Okay. They fought to the nail. To, really? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I ended up uh, getting introduced to uh, another team based out of uh, Lviv in the Ukraine yeah. and had a, just a night and day experience uh, from the team in India. And mm -hmm. they introduced me to all, all their agile systems, all the Atlassian products and how they do project management. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, this is, so this is how it's supposed to be done. Okay, great. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. So I ended up flying out to the Ukraine and I actually bought the agency where all the developers worked at because I was like, I at really like, time. yeah, I really like this yeah. team. I don't want to like, I don't want there to be a middleman between us. I'd rather just acquire you guys and have this office and here, have this base here in Ukraine. How many people were there? Seven. So it was small. Seven. Yeah. It's just real so it small. Was small. Like, how do you buy an agency? Like, do you buy a cash flow or something like that? Or I just flew out. This was pre-COVID. So I flew, you know, yeah. I, I flew out there and I took him to a really nice dinner. And I was like, look, you guys, like, you guys are amazing. And I see long-term fit here. I don't want there to be a middleman where I'm paying, like, for extra hours. How about I just cut you a check right now as a commission for finding me this great team. And I'll take over this office space and we'll we'll leave it at that. And they're like, great. And you just basically pay their salary. So they're looking at, instead yeah. of them having to do Legion and Hustle, they're just going to get a steady... Well, um, because they were a development agency. Like, they they wanted to charge a fixed price on top of their wages and act mm -hmm. as the middleman for my dev resources. And I'm like, I, I like I need this team for the long run. I don't want to... I'd rather pay you, you know, $25,000 now and be done with it than 100000 uh, over five years, right? So, right, and they they went for it. They're like, "All right, we'll we'll take the money today, and thank you very so you, much." So you basically bought out like forward. I mean, how did you price something like that? And where did you come up with the money? Because I thought you were the agency is no, doing this, well now. Or so I started uh, my first customer thirty k, and then uh, he brought on seven hundred doctors. And that was back in 2014, 2015. Okay. So yeah. 2015 to 2018 roll along, more clients, other types of businesses, other physicians. Other did you physician get all networks. 700 of those? You I mostly did. concentrated mm -hmm. on physicians. Okay, exactly. so this is a pretty lucrative. Uh, this is over this nine time. years. This is almost a 10 year journey. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. by then I had cash for R and D. I had cash for, for the, okay. by the time what I was the agency Ukraine. doing at that time. If you, can I ask that? The Ukraine, the agency. Yeah. They had three. No, other... What was your, what was your reputation management agency doing? Oh, at that time. Uh, as far as revenues. Yeah. We're, we're hitting over seven figures. Okay. Yeah. So you, you're just over seven figures and you're transitioning to the SaaS, mm -hmm. you're sort of the lead, you go out and you're like, I need some front end guys. So you go to the Ukraine and, yeah. and you're like, okay, you guys are so good. I'm going to buy you the agency, the reputation management agency buys this agency. So it's yeah. essentially an asset. Sounds like a really smart move. It was for me, it, it made so much more sense. Um, so they agreed and I've been with them ever since. It's been two and a half years now that they've been with me uh -huh. full time. And they're great. They're really hardworking. They're really, really amazing at documenting everything. Um, and I've been the, to the Ukraine now three or four more times. It's a lot of fun over there. Um, yeah. It's a really beautiful country. 
Really? Okay. That's yeah. good to know. Um, so do they go off and uh, do they have their own sort of autonomy to go off and get their own projects? And do you, do you no. let them bill or no, they ex- work exclusively no. for you? That's right. They, it's just okay. us. Yeah. Okay. That's a good deal for them, right? Yeah. That's what I wanted. I, I, cause I knew like, sure. There's the, like, there was the entrepreneur at the head of this agency who wanted more projects and wanted to keep them busy, but those developers, they just wanted to focus on, you know, their work, right? They didn't, they're not mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, they're developers. And, and uh, yeah, it worked out for the, the agency head to allow me to just, you know, acquire everything. And right. the developers are super happy now because they only have one project they work on. Yeah. So, so all seven of them were working on that. And, yeah. and how was the overall MVP? Like, how long did it take? Can you tell me about sort of the launch of the the MVP, I guess you had to transition your agency clients to the SaaS. Is that yeah. what you did? Mm-hmm. Or did, was there some resistance there? There was a or? lot of resistance, absolutely. There was, okay. Yeah. How did you handle The first question is, like, tell me about the MVP. How long was it? How much did it cost? That kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, the MVP, I want to say altogether, it may have cost like 75 grand in, in total. Now, is your time included in that or no? No. Mm-hmm. No, because mm-hmm. you were doing a lot of that, right? You were do, You were sort of doing a lot of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Probably. Okay. Yeah, probably so 15 hours. And, and so how long um, did it take to code that? And was it pretty full featured? Did you feel like you went overboard on the features? No, it's pretty it big. was not no. full featured. It was probably six months and it was super lean, uh, six months, super lean. But and it barely kind of did the, you know, like it yes. took a big whack at sort of the, the problem and it did. Our, our application today is light years ahead of our first MVP. It's okay. it was, it's comical to look back at what we were doing then versus. Well, that's good. It means yeah. you, 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 that's a proper MVP, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really was like the, it was the proper MVP for sure. And so, yeah, it, it. Yeah, today it's a much different application than than uh-huh. it was back then. But but uh, it was cash flow from the agency that paid for that essentially. Absolutely. So now, what's the structure that you have? Is you have the agency is still in existence? No. So we shut that okay. we shut that shop down, and then um, we ended up uh, partnering with a financial institution too. To, they'll give us as much money as we, as we want. Kind okay. of a, it, it's like a non equity fund. Oh, so it's like a loan. It's a note. Exactly. Exactly. So we just pay it we pay it back as we invoice our clients but if we need like a million dollars i could go there tomorrow and say hey like i need i need a million dollars you're gonna be like really okay i want to definitely get into that because that's that sounds really interesting but let's talk about transitioning from agency to to the SaaS. how did that go yeah so you know a lot of our clients were doctors and like there's big hipaa stuff going on right with yeah i know about hipaa right so when you integrate into a physician, like doing stuff manually as a consultant mm-hmm. is all good and dandy. But then once it's like, oh, you're a software company now, then it's like, okay, you have well, to be HIPAA hi- compliant. What, what's HIPAA yeah. compliance? And it's like, yeah. okay. So I, I had to invest more time after our MVP to become HIPAA compliant. So there was, I would say we lost a decent amount of the doctors that didn't come over just because they're like, they're worried we weren't HIPAA compliant. We ended uh-huh. up scrounging them back o- over time. But um, yeah, we had to learn how to become HIPAA compliant, how to integrate into a system and remain HIPAA compliant and make sure that we're doing all the best practices to protect data. Uh, so that was, that was a challenge. That was really hard. And we certainly got our butts kicked initially and had our, had learned real quick. Did the revenues go from when you went from the agency to the SAS? What did they, 
what did they go from? It's embarrassing. You went from seven it's seven figures down to what? Plummeted. It's, it's like, embarrassing. Like, we're talking 80% or what? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. It's, that's, <laughs> that's probably accurate. Uh-huh. Okay. And it's, no, I mean, I did an interview with one guy that was doing 250 yeah. uh, in his agency. He converted to SAS and he went to four grand, but he still did it. Yeah. He went from 250 MRR to four MRR in and, a month. And I don't regret it. Like, even though I lost yeah, exactly. he most of my, either. Yeah. like today we're smashing numbers. Like we're in, and yeah. with my agency, if I wanted to, like, we're, we're talking to a company actually tomorrow who has 300,000 locations. There's mm. no way I could do that, with, could an do that with the agency. Just yeah. not, not even That's possible. True. But with our SaaS, if I sign up this customer tomorrow, tomorrow, if they sign with us, not only mm-hmm. can I offer them an, an amazing free trial for all their locations, but mm-hmm. we can fulfill on all 300 that locations just by adding a few more servers in our AWS account. Bandwidth, basically, on the back end. Exactly. So SaaS is really, for me, it was still an amazing choice. Even, at, for, even though at first there were just... Bug after bug after bug, upset customer after upset customer. We were grateful for the feedback. Like they were willing to talk to us about what they liked, what they didn't like. And we we, mm-hmm. we really took that advice like gold, like solid gold, whatever they told us. Like we we're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to yeah. add that to our uh, task list and make sure we do it. But yeah, at, at first we got crushed. <laughs> so this is like 2019 that you were launching. Mm-hmm. How many customers first came on? Uh, I want to say... A little over twelve or thirteen hundred. Okay. And, and the rest just nope. No okay. no software for so us. You were still you were still managing twelve or thirteen hundred with with the agency, which is a lot of customers. It's so yeah. Is that sort of like recurring too? Mm-hmm. Are they all yep. sort of recurring? Yeah. And how big was your staff to manage that many clients? It must have been huge. Yeah, but you know, it most of the work was monitoring, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, we, and we were getting better and better at using other you know tools to monitor, and then fulfillment. Okay. It's like uh, fulfillment looked like okay, you got a bad review, doctor, and they they would get a text yeah. message. What do you want us to do about it? And then. And then we learned how to automate that a little bit too. But uh, yeah, but fulfillment, it took a long time because at the time we were manually writing out these queries. Um, It took a lot of man hours. Yeah. Okay, great. So essentially out of the gates, what do you think you were at launch? Do you you recall if you've got 1,200 pricing? And at this time you were not doing the annualized pricing, right? That's right. And uh, we, we totally botched our stripe api too so i'd say we ended up i would say probably around 30 30k a month okay right like kind of out of out of the gates um and we at the time when we first launched we were only charging 50 dollars a month too which is also comical we ended up doubling that price and then doubling it again and then Mm -hmm. doing only annuals uh and that's where we're at today so it's essentially like two hundred a month or something. Exactly. And you if per location, so you don't so you just if some of the bigger clients have more locations, they become a per location account, so they're bigger accounts. Yeah. At, at first I was super wide eyed. I was like, Well, if I can do SaaS, this could be endless. I can get an endless amount of customers. So I was like, I'm only gonna charge fifty bucks a month. Cause yeah. that that's fine. Like I'm okay with that. Cause I had a ton mm-hmm. of customers at the time. And mm-hmm. then the drop off rate took me down to I lost a lot of customers and then mm-hmm. I realized I wasn't charging enough for people to kind of respect like what it does, you know? Yeah. 
And so we, I learned really the hard way. I, I right. hope people that it's are important that you mentioned that. I think that placing a low value on the price of your product devalues your own product because 100%. there's a lot to it, right? So I think that's important to any of our listeners that are listening to keep that in mind. You know, don't price too low because. You know, as you say, I mean, you went to MIT, you've got some, you know, you've got some really good technology behind that, not to mention seven engineers in, in the Ukraine cranking out on the front end and back end. So to price at $50 a month it doesn't really display all of that. Yeah, I wish I would have invested more in consulting with a go-to market strategy and more for that. I, I Having run an agency, I thought I could, I knew it all and I could just, you know, be a Mozart and get it right the first time. Um, yeah. it, so it was sort of trial and error to get to that 200. It yeah. sounds like, and how long did that take? Because you launched in 2019, which is really only two years ago. Then COVID yeah. came. I'm sure we have some more stories to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, COVID, COVID was interesting. Um, you know, at first, Google and Yelp and ChipAdvisor, they stopped responding to all the queries. So they mm. all shut down, right? Yeah. Just like everyone else. And, and doctors too. Doctors are like, well, I don't have, I can't see. Well, actually, that's not quite true because they were probably busy, but you're moving into hotels and stuff too, right? And they're all shutting down. Hotels for sure and restaurants for sure. They all, like We lost, I don't know, about 40% of our customers just as COVID hit. Uh-huh. And we were already selling annual licenses. So like, they're like, hey, just like prorate us for the rest of the remainder of the year. And so we lost a lot of cash because we had to give like, we we just did it because we, we like our customers. We, mm-hmm. we want them to come back when, when things reopen. So we, we did prorate them, even though we didn't have to, like we, mm-hmm. we just, we did. And so we lost a lot of cash. And, but maybe it was karma because <laughs> uh, reviews ended up becoming more important during COVID. Um, first, I'll talk about us getting shut down. So, you know, we dispute fake reviews, right? We, uh-huh. we can identify them, but then it's like, yeah. okay, that's that's nice. What are you going to do about it, right? So we dispute them with administrators, but those administrators, they were offline for almost two months. So mm-hmm. my, my customers would still get fake reviews. And I'm like, you guys, I, I'm sorry, but Google and Yelp aren't even they're responding to us right now. Like, because they're at home working, right? They're not all even at home. at home work. Like, they didn't implement a work from home strategy for at least mm-hmm. two months before like COVID hit. At least the review removal department, like mm-hmm. those guys, those guys stopped responding to all queries for weeks and weeks. Like, we couldn't do anything for our customers. So we're like, all right, you guys, we're just gonna pause billing. For those that are with us, we're just gonna pause because we can't fulfill on your accounts until these administrators come back and start pushing the remove button right so mm-hmm. we were out of business like completely for at least two months while the administration while the administrators uh figured out how they were going to work from home and get organized and you know moderate these moderate these massive sites right because these takes 20 to thirty thousand people at each website just to moderate the amount of content that comes up they're huge teams um, yeah so they had to figure out how they're gonna reorganize themselves that took a while and then when when they came back online people were taking breaths like the ppp came out businesses had cash you know things were starting to look up but what we didn't realize is that people weren't talking to each other as much like word of mouth referrals plummeted and online reviews like there if you checked like alexa like the amazon alexa mm-hmm. uh web web rankings you can see the amount of traffic some of these review sites are going if you check 
early COVID days, you'll see sites like Yelp and TripAdvisor, like they all skyrocketed because reviews became more important. People were talking to each other less, but they were still buying. So they went to online reviews first. So um, we actually had our best year ever in 2020. By the end of 2020, we actually had our best year. Really? Okay, yeah. So you went went in and, and COVID was good for you, which, you know, it's, I mean, a lot of online businesses have definitely benefited from, from yeah. COVID. So it's not that surprising. And continuing now into 2021, have you seen that same sort of growth or is it steady, steadied off? No, it's still growing. Yeah, it's we're still, still seeing we're okay. still seeing that growth. So okay. yeah, yeah, we're 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 trying to, you know, evolve our clientele from mom and pop shops to more enterprise level customers, which is which is nice. We early on we'd never be able to do that, uh, other than yeah. large you know, f- networks and stuff but uh-huh. yeah are the now, doctors still your are this sort of the uh-huh. the high-end professionals are they sort of still your uh, bread and butter yeah yeah absolutely those are a majority of our clients and you mentioned the consumers what's the breakdown now for the consumer is that a new um, strategy for you and how do yeah. you price that yeah, so it's uh it's on a separate website, but it's owned by the same parent company. It's on askfortransparency.com, mm-hmm. and it's twenty nine dollars for a report. Um, okay. we we make it free for the consumers. Why would people do it? Why why this, so they they go to I'm getting a facelift in Beverly Hills, and I want to check the accuracy. Is that sort of a, an example that? Yeah, yeah. So what we're finding out now, having a, done a private beta for a few for a few thousand businesses, is that they actually are using it as competitor research to research the competitors uh-huh. who might be. Uh, you know, purchasing fake reviews and then sending to, it to, rat to their on them. So not just not just to rat on to them, notify, yeah, but uh, not rat, but that's not that's not a nice word. No, I, I hear you. Uh, I'm, what I meant to say is that they're they're actually using that data as evidence to get these fake reviews removed. Like they're they're doing okay. like you know spam fighting, so to speak. Uh, uh, so they're taking they're taking that data and they're like, okay, well. Like we need to do something about it now. So we're seeing a lot of competitor analysis. Um, we're seeing businesses who have real reviews use yep. it in their marketing and sales and being like, hey, like we had our our reviews were auth- like fully authenticated. This company says that they're they look legitimate. You should hopefully feel more confident in purchasing from us. Okay, so yeah. they use it. And how do you find that side of your business growing? Well, we just got an order from the FTC for 85,000 locations. Oh so, my gosh, congratulations. Yep. Thank it's, you. Yeah, so yeah. We're, we're working on our first collaboration with the Federal Trade Commission and uh-huh. uh, we're, we're starting to, you know, collaborate. So that's could actually could this become bigger than the than the uh, business side? I I think it totally could be. Uh, What we want to do is essentially transition out of service and more into data and analytics. Uh And, you know, you're probably familiar with like video camera companies that will on like streets where they record people going through red lights and sure yeah right yeah so they they take a script do like speeding tickets and exactly they take a screenshot they send it off to the government the government finds them so Mm. we're hoping to implement a similar type of partnership where we take the snapshots and the data of businesses with fake reviews send it to the fcc so that they can implement the fines and doing a fine yeah exactly yep so that makes sense that's the roadmap for us right now um okay great few years we're getting close to the top of the hour. I do want to go quickly over this financing that you structure that you have because it sounds very interesting. Yeah. Um, so you fully bootstrapped. 
Yes. But you have this, and so you can still consider yourself as bootstrap because you gave no, no equity. That's right. And so tell me about the structure of this financing. Yeah. So I, I was on, you know, I use Facebook to talk with family and friends. I saw an mm-hmm. ad uh, by a company at the time called ClearBank. And they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, I know ClearBank. Yeah. So I saw that they had a beta SaaS program. If you already had 30K MRR for the last, mm-hmm. you know, year or two, if you can show them, you know, a, you know, 30K MRR for the last year or two, then they will essentially provide capital up front and charge you as you charge your customers. So mm-hmm. you give them access to your financial statements, your merchant service, and as you bill your customers, they essentially will just take 10% of what you bill your customers to pay back. The, so it's like uh, automatically then calculated in. Exactly. So if I okay. have a great month, I pay back more. If I don't have a great month, I okay. pay back less. Um, okay. You know, but it's based on a fixed percentage of my invoicing and my billing uh-huh. versus like a flat rate. You're just going to pay back th- this much per right. month. And what's the rate, interest rate that you pay? So for new customers, for them, it's anywhere between 6 and 12%. Mm-hmm. I've worked on it, so I'm a little bit on the lower end there. But yeah. uh, it's really not bad, um, you know, considering the, like the partnership because they they also refer us customers, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. They have a huge program, like a few huge. Uh, so they're sending team. you. So they're sending you uh, leads. They send us leads. They they give mm-hmm. us cash and they make a lot of great introductions as well. So okay. the, our partnership with them has been super helpful. So you've been pretty liberal using them or have you not, or do you find yourself using them a lot or do you find, okay, I need them. I mean, how does it affect your growth? I've used them six times. I've, I've taken capital from them six times and I've paid them back. Uh I'm working on paying them back for the seventh time now. Uh, I, I like it because I like having access to that cash if I see a good deal on something like yeah. I like, I just like, cause lately there's been great deals on stuff. Right. So if what I need a deal, like, what are you talking about? What kind, what kind of a deal? Oh, all sorts of fun stuff. So assets for the company. Right. So if I see a good deal on a, maybe a small reputation management company. That, ah, okay. Um, so you're buying, okay. You're buying companies or, um, if okay. I see something it's not for like hiring or something, it could be. Yeah. So okay. it, it may be for like some sort of like, for example, you know, in the Amazon well art, architected program there's the ml lens um, which takes a lot of cash so we've certainly spent a lot of money with optimizing our infrastructure and you know going from you know server ec2 servers to serverless with lambda and stuff and all that fun stuff took a lot Mm -hmm. of money but well worth it (laughs) yeah that's great and you know that you're getting better return on that money than six percent eh oh yeah yeah yep so they've been great. Um, and now they're called ClearCo. Um, ClearCo. Okay, good. Yeah. We'll have that in show notes. Curtis, I want to really thank you for your time. Uh, I want to make sure you can get off. To, you probably have other appointments, so I want to make sure I get you off. But really appreciate your time. How can anyone reach out to you if they're interested in any of the things that you've talked about? Uh, yeah, LinkedIn is the best place to connect with me. I'm happy okay. to have a conversation and chat Curtis about it. Curtis Boyd from Objection.co. Yeah. Great. Okay. Thanks so much, Curtis. Hey, thank you. I hope you have a great rest of the day. (laughs) You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software Big Break could be right around the corner.